You're listening to Artistic Finance, Show 71. This is the third of four bonus episodes following the magic show Flavors of Magic as it launches its first in-person show. We check in with producer Sarah Crasson to find out how things are going two weeks out from the event. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome to the show, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, broadcasting from an undisclosed location in New York City, a location that looks suspiciously like my apartment. We welcome our esteemed guest, Sarah Crasson, who is a lawyer, author of the book Own Your Magic, and member of the Society for American Magicians. Sarah, where are you broadcasting from? I am broadcasting from a secret underground bunker. (laughs) I'm also in my apartment, which is in the Riverdale section of the Bronx. Amazing. So this is part of a four-part series. This is episode three. The first part was how Flavors of Magic got started. The second, we talked about how you're turning it into a live show. This, episode three, we're just over a week from opening, so we're checking in to see how things are going, and then we will have one more episode later, which is a post-mortem after the show to see how it went. We're recording this on September 30th, 2021. The Tony Awards happened last week to coincide with nearly half of Broadway shows being reopened, and Aladdin started performances but has temporarily ceased because there's been some COVID outbreaks in the company. All right, so it has been a while since our last check-in about Flavors of Magic Live. The big show is coming up. It's on October 14th at the Russian Samovar Lounge in Hell's Kitchen. Is that in Hell's Kitchen? I think it's a little bit north of... Actually, technically, it probably is Hell's Kitchen. It's on uh, 52nd, just off 8th Avenue. Okay, at the Russian Samovar in technically Hell's Kitchen, but sort of really a little bit north of there. <laughs> the theater district. That's, that's, that's in the theater district. Yes, it is. It's a block away from the Broadway theater, which is where West Side Story was, which is not returning to Broadway. May it rest in peace. Aw. And I'd like to welcome everybody to part three, in which Sarah engages in radical honesty and has an ulcer. Very quickly here, show's October 14th. What are the show times and where can we find tickets? Shows are at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Tickets are available at www.flavorsofmagic.com. All right, Sarah, how are you feeling today? I am, uh, I'm nervous. I gotta, I, I, I promise you honesty and I will tell you that I'm nervous. Okay, perfect. I love putting people on the spot. That's, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> fine. I, that's, I knew what I was getting into when I agreed to do this. And you know that we are very, very not live. And anything you say that you don't want to say, I can easily splice out. You know, if, if this is helpful to somebody else who's, who's thinking about going through the same thing, you know, so be it. That's, that's fine. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm not nervous about the show. It's going to be a great show. I have no worries at all that it's going to be fantastic the marketing part it's the advertising part you know that is that is giving me that ulcer that keeps me up at night and and is really uh the the big challenge right now okay so psychologically you're feeling a bit nervous over since the last podcast you you kind of inspired me a little bit and i started talking to a bunch of people who have produced similar events 
know, who have, who have more experience with this than I do and got some really both encouraging and commiserating advice. I even, even more appreciate the benefits of hearing other people talk uh, honestly about their experiences. It's, I, I am, I am renewed in my inspiration and that, that what you're doing is fantastic and helpful. Very basic question to get us started here. Are you ready for opening? Well, I'm, I'm not ready in the sense that if it were suddenly tomorrow, um, I'd be good to go. I think I'm where I'm supposed to be as we speak, which is two weeks out. There are, I mean, there are a few things that I have to get together. I am talking to some people. One of the ideas that we're playing with is getting somebody to come and photograph the event. And we haven't, uh, we haven't organized that yet but I know the person that I want to do it and he's a friend of a friend and uh, I, I just need to get that introduction and, and see if we can make that happen. You know, I need to go pick up a few items, snacks for the performers, you know, things, things like that uh, on the day. I mean, mostly, mostly it's ready. I mean, the performers, you know, come with their own show and they're, they're responsible for their own set. I need to write the introduction and you know, the introduction to the show and the introduction for each performer, which most of the performers' introductions will, of course, be provided by them. But it's still something that I have to sit down and do. Because I know people like to be introduced. Are you going to introduce each one? I'm going to introduce each performer. And in fact, there was a couple of years ago, there was a study done at Rutgers about people's perception of magic. And it's, it's informal. I, I don't believe it's been published yet, although I'm eager to see what they come out with. But one of the things that they talk about is that the introduction is really important and that the more somebody's built up in the introduction, it, it gives the audience reassurance, confidence, and the audience enjoys the show more if the performer has been given a big introduction. So I want to make sure that I give my performers that. If there's anything I've learned from watching Late Night at the Apollo, it is that the introduction, within the first three seconds, you're going to love these people or hate these people. And it has nothing to do with the act. I definitely th think the introduction is very important. All right, so you have little things to do, not, nothing really much. You basically have to prepare your sort of talking points. Well, the, the, other, the big thing that has to happen, and those are the, there are little things that have to happen to make the show happen. But the big thing that has to happen is the promotion, to get it out in front of people, to push the information about the show to the prospective audience and to sell the tickets. That's the big thing. So, uh, well, what are you doing to promote? I started off focusing on trying to get the show listed on various calendar websites and people put out newsletters of things to, of things to do and so on. And I, I started out focused on trying to get it listed on those. You know, it's going, but it's not so easy. And we're still trying to make some of those things happen. You know, we don't have a big social media following already. I have tried to reach out to some people that do have big social media followings to see if they'll help promote us. Some of them have been uh, enthusiastic about doing that. Some people have not. Uh, been as interested in, in participating, which is fine. So trying to get some some social media buzz about it and get, get that word out. Uh, the other thing that we're doing is reaching out to our own networks. You know, I'm not a big social media person, but I do have 
various networks of people with you know, email lists and so on, and people who've expressed interest in seeing me perform. And so I am doing my best to make sure that this, the information about the show gets pushed out to them. It's a lot of retail, I think is the right way to put it. I'm, I'm not a, a sales expert. It's not about posting it on Instagram or whatever, and then, you know, bam, there it goes. It's about having flyers in my tote bag, seeing somebody, talking to them and handing them a flyer, talking to them about the show and getting them excited about it. And I find that there's a lot of interest when people do have an actual conversation about the event as opposed to just seeing a a picture on, on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, word of mouth, like even with this podcast, people say word of mouth, word of mouth. That's the best way. Beetlejuice on Broadway they use that very much. They credit word of mouth for their sort of resurgence because the show was struggling for a little while and then it sort of got word of mouth social media presence and just really took off. So I say, yeah, definitely person to person is like the number one way. Unless you're Coca-Cola and you can just advertise everywhere so that you can't, you know, that you dream about Coca-Cola even if you don't want it. Right. That That's what I think is going to get us the most traction. And, and if we were bigger and had a big budget, then maybe it would be different. If we were big on social media, maybe it would be different. This is the way we're going to get it done. I talked to a a bunch of people who produce shows and magicians who produce shows. There are some markets where people just buy tickets at the last minute. And the the New York of today is a lot like that. People don't want to plan ahead. We don't know what's going to happen. The the pandemic has kind of changed our, our perception of time. Our, our, and our willingness to, to plan ahead because we just, if, if we learned anything, we've learned that we just don't know what's going to happen. If I am telling people about the show and then a couple of days before I do a big blast and remind everybody it's now, that'll be our best bet to sell, to sell tickets. I've been creating awareness because I've been talking about it for a long time, but I think that people are going to need a reminder like the week of. So we'll see. We've sold, we've sold a handful of tickets. Not as many as I would like that would make me feel comfortable. But talking to the other magicians who have produced these kinds of shows definitely gave me a little comfort that that was their experience too and that that's just kind of the nature of the beast. That's how these things work. It made me feel a lot better that it wasn't a, a me problem, but it was just the situation. The only event that I have planned out two and a half months for in the last two years is going to see Flavors of Magic live. <laughs> And that's because you've been on the show and I know you and I know I'm going to go to the show. So I've made that a priority. And and we thank you. Yeah. The last time I went to a Yankees game, it was two hours before the show or the game. And I said, you know what? Let's look for tickets. So, yeah, I think that's the the nature of events. Yeah. So I I had I was definitely um, a lot more uncomfortable a while ago when we hadn't sold a lot of tickets, but having talked to a lot more people and kind of thought about it this way, yeah, I think I think people are going to buy tickets late in the game. We had episode 63 with Rob Schneider about how to produce cabarets in New York City. His advice was social media for young people, email blasts, and even letters for old people. So I'll pass that info along for you if you have old people. The flyer route is actually a good way because they're not going to see it on the social media. But he also said that when he does a cabaret, he tells the performer, you're going to have to help me publicize, as they're really coming to see you, the performer. 
have you told your performers this? Have you, have they been helping you with marketing themselves? Absolutely. I told them that. And have they been helping some more than others? You have two. Yes. So which one is <laughs> well, more than other? <laughs> who, who are they? Give us their names. And then I'm going to figure this out on my own. <laughs> well, we've, we've got two fantastic performers. Eric Walton is an amazing mentalist who will just mess with your head. And RJ is a comedy magician, super charming, really funny. They're, they're great. And then there's, there's the usual Flavors of Magic production team working behind the scenes. You know, people are, are helping out in different ways. And, you know, I, I'm not going to point the finger at, at who is doing and, and not doing things. Because... No, I was kidding. I was kidding. Oh, okay. RJ, I know it's you. You haven't been helpful. <laughs> I promised you radical honesty, and I, I want to honor that. But that's I, I don't feel that it's appropriate for me to point the finger. No, no, absolutely. And he, and here's the deal: like they they can help or not help. That you know it it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it's not th- that's not their job. Like as much as it would be helpful and blah blah blah, it's not their job. And a human is a human and can only do so much. So depending on where people are, they can either help or they can't. Even if you were to blame a finger, which you won't, you know that doesn't mean anything because they they're on their own journey. Well, I thought about creating a payment structure where compensation would be tied to bringing people in either you have to bring in so many people or you don't get paid or you i I don't know something um or or whether it's uh you know you get paid a flat rate and then if you bring in x number of people you get paid x additional money you know maybe that's something that i would put into practice for a future show i just felt like for this first one it was going to make it too complicated. Yeah, well, there's a guy named Charlie Munger, very famous investor, and he says, show me the incentive and I will show you the outcome. So I don't think you're so far off base there with an incentive idea. I think it very clearly creates an incentive for them you know, to help get people to buy tickets, figuring out who got people to buy the tickets. And it just seems to add an extra layer onto the project. I thought I figured that's a layer that maybe we can add later. You, you know, I've actually thought of this because this is what I do late at night as I just think of things like this. I thought if I were going to do this on my own with an incentive structure, you know, the performer, whoever, whoever sells the ticket gets $5, let's say. And the only way I could figure out how to track it is whoever buys it, you have to have a question on the ticket site that says, how did you find out about this? And who do you want us to give credit to for you attending? Yes, and a lot of the ticket sites do have that option now to add questions that people can or have to answer when they buy their ticket. And then also, if somebody says at the door, oh, you know, I didn't say on the website, but so-and-so is why I'm attending, then somebody marks that also at the door. Right. And then I figure, give them maybe 24 hours after the performance for any last-minute people to say, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to give credit. Let me reach out. And then say, okay, 24 hours after the, the show starts, that's your deadline. And then we'll tally up everything after that. that that's how I figured I would do it if I were going to do it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's fair. <laughs> but I'm no marketer. You've got, you've got quite, the, quite the little scheme down there, don't you? Well, well no, I, was just, I was just logically thinking, you know, oh, how would I do this? I want the artists who are creating the art and working on the art and putting in their blood, sweat, and tears I want those people to be compensated. Right. I, of course, want the producer to be compensated because they're making it happen. But if a performer is bringing in people, I think it's great if they get a dollar or two dollars for every person they bring in. 
just because I'm a, I'm a big fan, big fan of the artists getting some sort of uh, return. So, so that's why I thought of this. What is equitable if you want your performers to get a cut of the proceeds? How is an easy way to make sure that happens? You know, because numbers and ticket sales and money coming in, that can get a little confusing. But, you know, what's a simple way to make sure, you know, it, it happens and it's clear? That's why I dreamt that up, that scenario. <laughs> right. And I, I think that that's, that's pretty close to what I was thinking. So uh, how are your performers feeling two weeks out? This is their act, their bread and butter, their work. This is what they do. It's not like, you know, if we're putting on a new play and they have to rehearse these lines and this show with each other, they're doing their act, which is what they have created and and do all the time. So it's easy to be a performer is what you're saying. (laughs) I'm not saying that at all, but this kind of show, they are not creating something new for this show that would be particularly stressful for them to perform. They're going to be doing road-tested material that they're really good at. I think they're going to be really happy to be performing for a live audience in person again. Uh, I, I know that they've been doing some in-person performing over the last you know, few weeks, and I, I think that they're just going to be really happy to have a live audience. All right, time for an, for an Ethan rant. Okay. Everybody just skip forward one minute. <laughs> So I have been to enough live performance in the last two months. Every single time somebody gets up at the at the beginning and says, oh, we're so glad that live performance is back. And then everybody applauds. I am so sick of that. <laughs> uh-huh. So I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to get up and say it. And we're all going to clap. It's going to be a feel good moment. But I will be rolling my eyes. I just would like you to know. <laughs> But you have to say it. <laughs> yeah. You have to do it. I know it has to be said, but I'm like, uh, could we just skip this minute or two? <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, okay. The rant is over. Welcome back, everybody who skipped forward a minute. So h- how is the venue feeling? Have you been in contact with them or is it just you scheduled it and you're going to show up on the day? I have been in contact with them. I went and I met with them just to take another look at the space and to meet with the owner. We've been in touch a few times, uh, some email communication, mostly to remind them to do things that they're supposed to do, like put something up on their website that the show is happening. Yesterday, the last time that I checked, there was nothing on their website yet. Hopefully they will put something up on their website sooner rather than later. Well, you you know how those Russians are. I know. How are those Russians? You know what? I better stop talking right now. Actually, I'm going to jump to Radical Honesty. So I know you said handful of tickets. You have 30 seats available. I know that I have purchased two of these tickets. My friend Eric is coming with me. He's coming all the way from Albany. Somebody's coming into town for the show. We'll try to make it worth it. It is so worth it. I know that you have sold two tickets of your 30 for the 7 o'clock show. I'm an old person and I like to go to bed at 9. How have tickets sold? Have you sold more than two? We have sold five tickets so far. Okay. I refer you back to what I said about my ulcer. It, it is nerve wracking. It's not where I'd like to be, but it's where we are. And from what I hear, it's not terribly surprising. Let's play out a worst case scenario as I like to do. So say you only sell these five tickets. That's $250. The venue takes half. 
So you're down to $125. You've said that you will pay your magicians $100 a night. What are you paying them? I'm, I'm not sure that I did say it on the last episode. Oh, oh, and of course, if you don't want to say, don't please don't say. You said you were like $500 in. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm committed to spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 um, of my own money. Okay, you diverted my attempt to find out how much the performers are getting paid. Very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but worst case I mean, scenario. It's, yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's a first time out, and I, I don't know if they'd be... No, no, you, you're not you're not on trial. You don't have to make excuses. Yeah, I don't know if they'd be comfortable for that, so, so I, I'm... I, I leave no money question unasked. I'll, I'll be honest, it's not a lot of money, and they're they're being very kind to to, to work for it. That's one of the reasons that I'm looking at getting the photographer because at least they'd get great photos and they could use the photos for their website or for their promotion. You know, I, I want to treat them really well and make sure that they have a good time and they're comfortable. In the future, if I can, I'd, I'd love to get video because everybody always needs video of their act. So there, there are things that maybe I can do that will make taking a, a smaller fee still to their advantage. All right, so that sounds like an offer to me. If you want to take photos of this show and or video of this show, you can get a free ticket as long as you come and do those things. I'd Email me, <laughs> info at flavorsofmagic.com. If, if that sounds exciting to you and you want to come see the show and, and take pictures, email me and we'll talk. Info at flavorsofmagic.com. So after the venue takes half, you have $125 coming in with five tickets sold. You will owe $500 at the end of the show. So worst case scenario right now, you're out $375. Probably a little bit more than that once I pay for additional things that need to be done, but yes. So you're $600 into the show. So worst case scenario, you will be spending $475 if you sell zero more tickets. Uh-huh. That would sting to lose $475. Yes. But... You would have produced two magic shows, given two magicians work, given at least five people an enjoyable evening, because I will enjoy myself. Because did we mention that you get two alcoholic beverages with the price of the ticket? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what I said was, I will enjoy the magician's performance. No alcohol needed. However, there is also alcohol. Bonus alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, so, so worst case scenario, you are... A magic show producer, a live event producer, you've given two actors work or magicians work, and you've given some people an enjoyable show, and you've given the venue a tiny bit of money. Worst case scenario right now if you don't sell any more tickets. Right. And I've learned a lot. If I decide to continue with this and do more of these, I will have gained some valuable experience about what works, what doesn't, how I want to approach this next time. And I'm actually already producing my second show. The weekend after... I'm producing the magic portion of the family fun day for Untermeyer Park and Gardens in Yonkers, New York. Is It's a beautiful park, gorgeous gardens. They've been restoring it and it's really beautiful. Sunday, October 17, they're having their family fun day and they're going to have specialty tours for kids and families and different activities. And I, I with Flavors of Magic, am producing a... Family magic show. Tickets for adults are $10. Kids are five. Rogue is performing. He's uh, was featured on America's Got Talent a few years back. The Society of American Magicians is participating. It's going to have a table set up where you can learn to do some magic with things that you have around the house at home. Wow. 
So you produced seven Flavors virtual shows, two actual live shows. Fast forward one month, you're going to have produced 10 magic shows. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I've never really thought about it that way, but yeah. You're the next gay Blackstone, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. I don't know if anybody else listening knows what you mean, but I know what you mean. You know, if you know, you know, is what I'll say. Exactly. That's going to be a tease. Like people people are going to have to do some research (laughs) if they actually want to know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, this is wonderful. So you've sold five tickets. Congratulations. Thank you. Doing this so far have what what good things have come out of putting this all together? Because it's a lot of work. It seems like it's very stressful. But what good things have happened about it? You know, it's been such a, a challenging time. And I'm really excited to be doing something forward thinking and productive and live and in person and, and kind of taking another step. It's been a, a period, I think for a lot of people, a period of kind of stasis while we all kind of hunkered down. I'm excited to be doing something new and challenging. And this is challenging as heck. There's nothing easy about it. And it is enormously stressful. I'm excited for the challenge. I actually want to take a moment to delve into this radical honesty. Sure. Okay. I will brace myself. And again, you you absolutely do not have to talk about this because this is something you and I had talked about personally offline. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to bring it up, but I, of course, will cut it out if like you don't want to talk about it. Okay. Originally, the show was scheduled for August 5th. Yeah. And you postponed that to October 14th. Yeah. And you you had said that that was because of the Delta variant. Now, when I talked to you, <laughs> you said you also told me that a heavy consideration was that you hadn't sold any tickets or you had sold one, maybe. You know, I was I was getting a lot of pushback from potential audience members, people that I would think would show up who are reluctant to go because of, of COVID, because of the Delta variant. Uh, the performers were less reluctant. Their risk tolerance was maybe in a slightly different place. I was really torn on what the right thing to do was. One of the factors that did weigh in was that we were getting close to, to showtime and I think we'd sold one ticket. People were reluctant to buy tickets because of, of COVID and and. I, I was maybe a little less reluctant to make the move than I might have otherwise been. If I mean, if we'd sold out, maybe I would have, you know, it, it would have it would have been on the scales in a different way. I don't know if it would have tipped me over one way or the other. I don't think it was a dispositive factor, but it was certainly something that was on the scales that I was conscious about as I looked at, do people want to come to a show in a room where they're going to be inside with strangers and drinks? Do people want to do that right now? Is this a good idea? And that was kind of a factor. And I, and I just wanted to bring that up because I think the COVID health and safety is absolutely the right decision, 100%. But the lack of ticket sales, I think psychologically for you, especially as a first-time live show producer, that's a real, a real factor. Yeah. I just, I just sort of wanted to say that um, because I know that anybody who... who tries to produce their first magic show or first event or first anything is going to have that human experience (laughs) of worry and doubt. You don't know uh, until you open and really nobody shows up or it turns out that, oh, actually people did show up, thankfully. I I just wanted to say it. No, it's okay. Um, From my conversations with other folks with more experience, I fully expect 
by the time this is aired, we may have sold a few more tickets, but maybe we won't sell the bulk of the tickets until a few days before. So it gives me a little bit more comfort that what I'm seeing in terms of ticket sales now is not dispositive of what's gonna, what's, what, what it's going to be at the end of the day. But it doesn't make me feel more comfortable when I look at the email that I get from the ticket selling website showing me how many we've sold so far and ticket sales are sparse. So every day I get that email and it my ulcer grows. You have sold five more tickets to a magic show than I ever have. And I suspect you have sold five more than 99% of the people listening to this. <laughs> so we, we, we're, all, we're all supportive of you and in awe of you that you're doing uh, it. Thank you. That's, that's very kind. And I mean, if it works, if it doesn't, I'm learning something. And I mean, it's going to be a success because we're going to put on a great show. That's the important thing. The selling of the tickets is a thing that I don't know that much about and I'm trying to learn about and get figure out and... I'll get the experience and and maybe that's the thing that I need to focus on and learn about next. It will be enormously satisfying to have done the thing, you know? One of the reasons I bring up the initial show being scheduled for August 5th, did postponing two and a half months help you? Yes, because we've sold two more tickets already. Actually, well, technically you've sold four because while I told you I was coming, I hadn't actually purchased them. When you postponed and you told me, that part of the reason why was lack of ticket sales. I said, oh, that means a lot. So I'm going to book my tickets right now. And and you're doing that meant a lot to me that I really appreciate that. Yeah, because I had told you I was coming and I was going to come. And I believed you. No, trust but verify always. And yes, I believed I'm you. a big, big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> I had, you know, trust, but always cut the cards. Yeah, I got the vaccine. Did you? Did you? <laughs> Show me that card. <laughs> I have a I have a spontaneous question to ask you here at the end. If somebody is listening and they want to put together a show, but they have doubt, they, they're afraid they're going to lose money or they're afraid no one's going to show up. Is there any advice or encouragement that you could give them to say, hey, why don't you try it? You know, look at the numbers, see, you know, if you can, what you can do on, on a shoestring, on a budget that you can afford to lose, go for it. When you do improv, when you learn about doing improv, when your partner introduces a new idea, never say no. You say yes and, with the idea being that if you reject the idea, then the scene has no place to go. But if you say yes and, then you can, you, you can build, you can increase, you can grow and take it in a, in a new direction even. I've, I've kind of taken that on. I thought that was wonderful. And I kind of have taken that on as the words that I live my life by, which um, is both wonderful and dangerous, but has taken me in some really fantastic directions and giving me some interesting opportunities and, and let me live a really interesting life. And so when something and an opportunity comes along, when I, an idea comes along, say yes. And because if it works great, if it doesn't work, You've still learned something. You've still done something. You'll be that much more interesting at a cocktail party. It's still part of part of your life experience. And, you know, maybe you'll continue in that direction. Maybe you'll take that experience and do something else with it. But no, no new knowledge, no experience is ever really wasted. Do it. You know, Penn Gillette has a podcast called Penn Sunday School. I've listened to it for years, and <laughs> he is clearly a different human being than I am. Uh -huh. He says time and time again, he says, I don't want to talk to anybody who says no. If somebody says, do you want to go out? And you say no. Do you want to go do this? No. 
you want to do this? No. He says, I don't even want to talk to you if you say no. Because so much happens when you say yes. When you agree to go to the eve of destruction motocross race. <laughs> you know, or it, or if you say, yes, I'm going to go to Flavors of Magic. My friend Eric, he could have said, no, I don't want to go to Flavors of Magic. Why would I want to go to a magic show in a parlor of a Russian restaurant or a Russian lounge? He could have said no, but he said yes. I anticipate we will have a fantastic evening. I feel comfortable in saying that you will. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great show. I'm excited to do it. Performers from California are excited to come to New York to do the next Flavors of Magic show. It's wonderful. They're amazing. I'm so lucky. You know, we, we did the virtual season and kind of built some credibility. And there are performers from across the country who want to come here to do my little show. It's it's amazing what you can build and create. And I'm so excited to be part of this. And I'm a little terrified to be leading this, but it's wonderful. You know, it's scary, but it's scary in that good way. My little show. That's like gay Blackstone. Oh, my little show. My little show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are two peas in a pod. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> with some differences. With some differences. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, look, I'm, I'm honored to be in the same, to, to be mentioned in the same sentence with gay. She's amazing. You had said, look at the numbers, figure out how much you can lose and do a show. Our previous guest, Lisa Panicia, that's her favorite saying is the numbers don't lie. I do agree. On a napkin, on a piece of paper, sketch out some numbers, figure out how much you could put a show together for, and then do it. Let me encourage you. <laughs> well, absolutely. And <laughs> as some as someone who's not producing a show myself, <laughs> but you will. And you, <laughs> um, knowing what this is going to cost me, all in, it's it's six hundred dollars. And if I don't sell another ticket, it'll you know I'll be out you know four hundred and seventy five dollars or whatever it comes out to be. You know, and that would be a bummer, but it's kind of liberating to know that that's what abject failure looks like. If you've never blown $475, you know, haven't we all at some point spent money that, you know, on something and, and had it not pay off in the way that we'd hoped? But I still get the experience and I still get to have done it. I still put a wonderful thing out into the world. And if it costs me $475, so be it. If it comes to that. but. You know, I, I also believe that, you know, a lot more people are going to buy those tickets and I'm not actually going to be out all that money. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty awesome thing to do for $475 if it comes to that. If it comes to that. But, you know, I, I also believe that, you know, a lot more people are going to buy those tickets and I'm not actually going to be out all that money. I am curious of the five tickets you have sold. How many are for the 7 p.m. and how many are for the 9 p.m.? They're all for the 7 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Is it all old people? I don't know. Because I don't know everybody who's bought there. I don't know all the names of the people who bought tickets. And <laughs> watch somebody listening and they've bought a ticket at the 7 p.m. show. <laughs> and they're like in their <laughs> 20s. And here I am saying they're old because they're going to the 7 p.m. show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I was just kidding, everyone. I was just kidding. 7 p.m. is for everyone. I mean, that'll it'll it's it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I, I figured it's a, a 9 p.m. show. It's like an hour, 10, hour, 15 show. You know, so you'll be out by 10.15. Trust but verify. See, I have to go to the show to know if I'll actually be out by 10.15. Well, you'll be out by 10.15 because you're going to the 7 o'clock show. That's true. Unless I love it, which I might, and then buy a ticket for the 9 o'clock. <laughs> but it'll probably be sold out, so I probably won't even have that option. If you if you can, right. Manifesting, manifesting. <laughs> I hate the word manifesting. You know what? For scratch that I even said it, oh, I don't like it. Only slightly more than synergy. <laughs> 
I will say that I took my boss, Broadway lighting designer Peter Kazarowski, to see Monday Night Magic once, and he really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a lighting designer, you might like a magic show. That's all. Um, There's some lighting designers that listen to the show. Okay, that's not important. Nobody cares about lighting designers. I do, I do. I care about all of you. Um, Okay, but but, but you can't come and judge our lighting. You can say that. Those are words that you said. (laughs) We can't help. You know, can we we stop breathing? No, we can't. Okay, I tell you what. Come, judge the lighting. Yeah, we will, exactly. (laughs) Judge the lighting if you want. Trust me. You know, the best thing that could happen to you, well, (laughs) not the best thing. (laughs) (laughs) That took a turn. Uh, A very good thing that could happen to you is you could have a lighting designer come to your show and say, you know what? You need some help. I'm going to help you. Touche. Absolutely. I mean, you know, yes, if you want to, if you come and you're inspired and you, you want to help, absolutely. Let's, let's chat. Sarah, Um, where can people, final question here, where can people find out more about you or the show? Um, The show is Flavors of Magic, www.flavorsofmagic.com. If you want to uh, reach out to us, info at flavorsofmagic.com. And I'll be honest, that comes directly to me. You can find me on Instagram and on YouTube. I'm magician at law. One word all spelled out, magician at law. Thank you immensely for sharing all this with us, for your brutal honesty. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) Radical. No, no brutal. Honesty, honesty can be kind. I, 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 I try not to say that the conversations we have on this show are honest because it just sounds sort of patronizing. Okay. But one thing I really strive for is to have honest conversations because to me that's so important. That's how we relate and that's how we understand because all the, all the unknown, all the unsaid things we exaggerate in our brain. Like you see two people chatting and you just assume they're more friends than they actually are. So in your head, you just extrapolate like, oh, my gosh, those are such good friends. And in reality, like, you don't know that. They probably don't see each other as much as you think. Same thing with fears and and doubts and all that. It's just so much bigger in our brains. And so when we can actually listen to the people that are doing things and find out how they're feeling, what they're going through, what the actual numbers are, you know, the numbers don't lie. Thanks, Lisa Panicia. It just makes it more relatable and makes it more understandable and gives us a better chance to sort of try something. All that to say, thank you for doing this. Well, my pleasure. Um, You know, and I would just say, if you're thinking about doing a thing, go for it. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's stressful. But if you don't do it, then what have you gained? You, you have you, you've lost an opportunity. Pendulette says, I don't even want to talk to you. Go, go for it. <laughs> go for it and have an adventure. I'm going to say this because it's a theater expression. It's what I know break a leg with the performance. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, break a leg. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're we're excited. And in, in the magic world, for reasons that I can't explain, we say break a thread. Oh, wink, wink. I think I know why you say that. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, Sarah, break a thread. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. That was the third of four episodes following Flavors of Magic Live. My takeaway from this episode is if you're thinking about putting together a magic show or any show and you're worried about turning a profit, create a simple budget. Keep the scale small and out-of-pocket costs down. For example, Sarah is splitting ticket sales with the venue rather than renting out the venue. This way she isn't on the line to pay the rental fee if she doesn't sell that many tickets. If you're worried about people showing up, pick a small venue. 
We never mentioned it during these episodes, but part of the reason why Magic is going to the Russian Samovar, besides it being a beautiful space and convenient location, is because it is an intimate venue. If the max limit of 30 people shows up, it will feel really full. But if only five people attend, the room will still feel full because it isn't a huge space and the way it's decorated makes it feel full. All this to say, if you're worried about only having a small audience, don't rent a big theater that's going to feel empty. Pick a venue that makes you comfortable. A reminder that the live show is October 14th. I'll be at the 7 p.m. show. If you're in New York and you attend the show, be sure to find me and say hello. I'll be the guy sitting as far back as possible and hiding anytime the magicians are searching for volunteers. For tickets, visit flavorsofmagic.com and I hope to see you there. Our next bonus episode following Flavors will be October 25th. We'll post-mortem to see how the show went artistically and financially. We'll find out if it went well enough to merit more Flavors of Magic shows in the future. To be notified when the new episode drops, follow Artistic Finance on any podcast app. The show is free, and that's thanks to our patrons. Patrons see the value of having these money discussions. They subscribe monthly on Patreon with levels from $3 to $25. All patrons have access to a podcast feed with all bonus audio and early releases of episodes. And an exciting announcement. This week, we got our 22nd patron. Welcome and thank you, and thank you to all patrons. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. The next best thing you can do is to share an episode with a friend. We've never spent money on marketing, so everyone who listens to this show has heard about it from someone else. So if you're finding value in the show, please share it with someone and tell them why you're sharing it. If you have any feedback for the show, suggestions of guests or topics, please email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com and I'll do my best to get back to you. That's it for today. Until next time, break a thread. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.